Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad that you are with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We're sad again to tell you today that there's no good martini, and that uh, even includes on the kidney stone front, but I'm feeling good enough certainly to do the podcast today. If there was a good martini today, Jim, it might be the Manning brothers doing their simulcast on Monday Night Football last night. That was uh, infinitely more entertaining than uh, the actual commentary. But uh, let's get right to our first bad martini. And uh, when the uh, U.S. Uh, debacle in Afghanistan started to unfold about a month ago now, we said, this weakness is going to be exploited by other people we don't like, and it could mean bad things for Taiwan, for Ukraine, for the Baltics. And China's already proving us right on this, although I think a lot of people saw this coming. Two different stories from uh, state-run media in China, so you know this is uh, what the government is thinking. First, from the Global Times. The Taiwan question has been kept brewing. More than half of China's diplomatic troubles are related to it. In the long run, the cost of maintaining the current peace in the Taiwan Straits will only increase for the Chinese mainland. The U.S. and Japan have countless levers to collude with the island of Taiwan, which will constantly consume the Chinese mainland's diplomatic resources and energy. The Democratic Progressive Party Authority is determined to latch on to the U.S. and Japan to gang up against the Chinese mainland and has increasingly kidnapped public opinion on the island while the U.S. has made making more and more frequently strategic manipulations over the Taiwan question. Sending PLA fighter jets, meaning People's Liberation Army fighter jets, over the island of Taiwan is a step we must take. The move will pose a fundamental warning to the Taiwan authorities and bring about reconstruction of the situation across the Taiwan Straits. It will be a clear declaration of China's sovereignty over Taiwan Island and create unprecedented conditions for us to further implement this sovereignty. If that wasn't enough, China.org is letting other people know not to recognize Taiwan, or at least they don't want them to. Uh, it says the Chinese mainland resolutely opposes the development of official ties or the establishment of official entities between China's Taiwan region and countries that have diplomatic ties with China. So, Jim, this is about as subtle as a, a train wreck. We assumed that China would try to exploit this. They are. Apparently, that kumbaya call between Biden and Xi Jinping uh, didn't exactly deter Xi Jinping. No, it did not. And you'd have to be, to be the kind of fool who would expect that to work, to expect the phone call from the president to calm down the tensions. Greg, you'd probably have to be the kind of idiot who'd think the Taliban might be reformed to moderate it. You know, <laughs> I, I fully, yeah, well, we're surprised the Taliban didn't have any women in their government or something like that. But maybe I'm foreshadowing our next martini. Um, if you talk to people who follow... U.S. national security, foreign policy, global conflicts, and things like that. There are a couple of, you know, worries or, or potential flashpoints. It feels like it's been on our radar screen probably for decades now. You can think of the North Korea either striking or invading South Korea, uh, a nuclear confrontation between India and Pakistan. They've always had extremely high tensions over Kashmir, things like that. Uh, even, you know, maybe some of Russia and the Baltics, right? The idea that certain parts, uh, they'd like to break apart the NATO alliance by trying to take some small bite out of NATO and asking, you know, how many Americans are willing to sacrifice themselves for Lithuania or Latvia or something like that. Um, so it's, yeah, I can understand why people might say, yeah, we've been hearing Chinese saber rattling about Taiwan for a long time. There's, you know, is the, re is the danger really any different now than it was last year or the year before that or the year before that or a decade ago or things like that. But when you look at what they've done in Hong Kong, 
when you look at the aggressiveness they've taken in their um, efforts to stifle discussion of the uh, trailing back to the Wuhan labs and the origin of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, the degree to which they struck at Australia just for saying this should be investigated and things like that. It does feel like Xi Jinping is just a much more aggressive figure than we're used to seeing in there. Uh, all kinds of crackdowns. Last time I heard they were cracking down video games. And I don't know about you, Greg, I can hear some parents out there saying, all right, finally, something reasonable from the Chinese government. That doesn't seem so bad. But uh, all kinds of other, you know, repression, more authoritarian, more aggressive, this wolf warrior diplomacy and things like that. And I guess the, the aspect that really should make us nervous, Greg, you know, on the one hand, look, the, the Chinese Taiwanese, uh, you know, the strait between them is, is, you know, extraordinarily heavily watched. I'm sure they've got all kinds of um, everything from spy satellites to NSA listening posts to the Chinese. Everybody in the world is watching for a Chinese invasion. And it would be really tough for them to have a, a sudden mobilization and catch us, uh, you know, take Taiwan and the U.S. by surprise. I mean, Greg, it'd be kind of like the Taliban taking over the country in a matter of days, right? Thought we'd see that coming, and we didn't. So there's an interesting question of just how much that is. And then, you know, I've read both fictional books on this and, and nonfiction essays on this, that the sheer capabilities of the Chinese military year by year are building so much. And the use of, say, cyber weaponry, right, and being able to shut down the power, being able to shut down... Uh, vital services in Taiwan. Boy, that would make a heck of an easier time if you wanted to invade an island country. Or if, you know, look at that description of Putin's approach to Europe that I was describing earlier. There are a bunch of islands in between. They're part of Taiwanese territory that are actually closer to Chinese uh, uh, shoreline than they are to the Taiwanese shoreline. If you're China, that seems like the lowest hanging fruit. And maybe you go out and you take that bite of that apple and you see what the U.S. is willing to do to response. You see what the Taiwan is willing to do to response. And then the question of, do you want a full-on military confrontation with a nuclear power over this tiny little island in the in, you know, South Chinese Sea? I don't, it seems like a, a, a reasonable gamble if you are a, an aggressive Chinese leader and you saw Taiwan's independence as this massive uh, insult to your national honor and, this, and something that needs to be addressed there. So I, I look, it, you, know, you and I are not saying, oh, we expect China to invade any day now. But it's, and, and you might say the more saber rattling the Chinese state run media gets, they would make you think, you think they'd want an element of surprise. And so maybe this is probably an indicator that they're not going to. With all of that said, though, you have to be nervous about this. And I don't think anything we've seen in the last couple of weeks from this administration should reassure anyone that this is an administration that is ready to, like, if, you know, if, if something on the, par, on the scale of Afghanistan can catch this administration flat footed and leave them scrambling and offering lame spin and, and all that stuff. Do they seem they'd be equally prepared for a Chinese aggression against Taiwan? Very hard to believe they'd be ready for it, Greg. And uh, hopefully nothing's actually going to lead to this, but boy, China certainly doesn't seem to like they have any, you know, they certainly have no hesitation about indicating that they are just itching for a fight with Taiwan. Yeah. You go further down in this global times, editorial, uh, quote unquote, since it's basically state-run media, uh, it says, let us be fully prepared that there will be a showdown in the Taiwan Straits. Let us crush the will of the DPP authority with our strong will to defend national sovereignty and territorial integrity, as well as our real ability. Let us send our first PLA fighter jet over the island of Taiwan at the most accurate time. That will be a milestone on China's path to reunification. Uh, 
anything we're not reading into that, Jim? I mean, come on. You'd, you'd read between the lines, but there's nothing to read between the lines. The, <laughs> the subtext is the text in this case. Yes. Holy smokes. But as you foreshadow, Jim, we have more to talk about the Biden administration's foreign policy, or lack thereof, in our bad martini. But first, let's talk about something good, and that is uh, keeping your body healthy as much as you can. And of course, one of the ways you want to do that is by making sure you've got all the vitamins and minerals you need. And so multivitamins are good for that, but you deserve to know what you're putting in your body and why, especially when it comes to something we take every day. And Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms that your body can actually use. What you won't find are sugars, GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, artificial colors, none of that garbage. Plus, the fresh taste and the delayed release capsule design make taking your vitamins easy. I love the fact that uh, it's got vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, things that help your immune system, and just uh, components that uh, that give you the amount of uh, vitamins and minerals that you need each and every day. Love Ritual. What you have to keep in mind is that Ritual is designed with your life stage in mind. It's now available for women, men, and teens, and Ritual multivitamins are scientifically developed to help support different life stages. And Ritual helps you make your healthy habits easy. Your multivitamins are delivered to your door every month with free shipping always. You can start, snooze, or cancel your subscription at any time. And if you don't love Ritual within your first month, they will refund your first order. Get your key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering three Martini Lunch listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash martini to start your ritual today. All right, Jim, let's go to Anthony Blinken, who, for some reason, couldn't make it quite all the way from the State Department to Capitol Hill yesterday. Allegedly, uh, Congress is not officially in session, so they gave him the option of either joining remotely or being in person, so he decided to do it from his office. He was still one up on uh, New Jersey Congressman Albio Sires, who zoomed in with his clothes closet behind him for some reason. But nonetheless, uh, he got uh, some pointed questions from both sides, although there was certainly grandstanding on both sides as well. But basically, Anthony Blinken's message hasn't changed in the least, Jim. He does still admit that there are Americans in Afghanistan who want to get out, who haven't gotten out yet. So I guess that's a a plus, considering uh, the the narrative they were trying to set up on that issue. But uh, when it comes to his expectations from the Taliban, nothing's changed, despite all the evidence on the ground. Take a listen. We continue our intensive diplomacy with allies and partners. We initiated a statement joined by more than half the world's countries, over 100 countries, as well as the United Nations Security Council resolution, setting out the international community's expectations of a Taliban-led government. We expect the Taliban to ensure freedom of travel, to make good on its commitments on counterterrorism, to uphold the basic rights of the Afghan people, including women, girls, and minorities, to name a broadly representative permanent government, to forswear reprisals, the legitimacy and support the Taliban seeks from the international community will depend on its conduct. The expectations, Jim. Expectations on freedom to travel, women and girls, 
I mean, they can expect all they want, but I think we've got a pretty long track record, as we've said time and time again over the past month, that the Taliban is who we thought they were, to quote Dennis Green. And uh, I don't know why they think anything's going to be any different. They really think that cutting the Taliban a check, which I guess is going to be $64 million now, and supposedly uh, money given to the Afghan people through NGOs and so forth, is maybe going to get a little bit more of what we want here. But uh, these people are just not living in the real world. It's like, Greg, the, the good news is there's no way the Taliban could actually take the money from the NGOs. No. Because they wouldn't steal. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not Muslim of them. Um, you know, I, I was reminded when I was, I caught several sections of, of yesterday's testimony by Blinken. Underwhelming is about the most generous assessment I can give it. But I was reminded of a conversation, I guess it was about a week ago. Uh, Fox News Sunday host Chris Wallace was on with Hugh Hewitt. And Hewitt was they were talking about a book Wallace had written, but he asked him about Blinken because Blinken appears a couple. It was about Wallace's new book is about the Bin Laden raid, and we all probably remember, you know, Joe Biden opposed the Bin Laden raid. And I guess in early sections of the book, Blinken kind of has cameos, so to speak, uh, of being a skeptic of that this house in Pakistan is is actually where Bin Laden is, and then he kind of disappears from the book. And the conversation shifted over to Blinken, and Wallace says, "quote." I'm very unimpressed by the state operation. I'm very unimpressed with Anthony Blinken, he said. You know, Blinken had a news conference, I guess it was last Friday. It was when he refused to say how many people, Americans and Afghans, had gotten out, and he was speaking with all the passion of somebody reading the telephone book. And Wallace goes on to continue to say, and you know, it's not a matter of politics. It's a matter of presence and gravitas. When Mike Pompeo or Hillary Clinton, or, you know, you can go on and on, Colin Powell spoke for the United States of America, there was, you know, there was a don't mess with us guys. We're the United States of America. Blinken, I think, is a great staff man, but I'm not, I'm very doubtful as to whether he should be the voice of America's presence in the world. Nothing yesterday indicated that Blinken was the right choice. I've seen some people observing that eight Republican senators voted to confirm Anthony Blinken. I don't think these senators deserve too much grief. I think there's a, you know, pretty considerable argument that unless the person is a maniac or has egregious scandals in their past, the president should get to appoint the people he wants into his own cabinet, particularly for a position like secretary of state. That having been said, you know, you, you stay in that job by performing well in that job. And if you do not perform well in that job, you probably ought to be replaced. Look, Joe Biden is never going to replace uh, Blinken until it's absolutely, you know, long past when it should be done, because that would mean Joe Biden made a mistake in selecting him. Uh, unfortunately, that is, you know, it's, it's not likely to happen, but I think it was a very similarly disappointing, evasive, unclear, happy talk, um, just the embodiment of Washington in action, posing as action and excuse making uh, yesterday uh, that, uh, you know, that, that what, you know, there was some hope at the beginning of this that of all the people, you know, Biden could have selected to be secretary of state, that Blinken wasn't the worst possible choice. People were, you know, really worrying about Susan Rice and folks like that. This is a, we're, we're not better off with Blinken. I don't know if we would have been better off with Susan Rice, but there's really no little indication that, uh, we're going to get any particularly inspiring leadership or even forceful, you know, performances on the world stage as long as long as Blinken is our top diplomat. Yeah, Blinken's uh, performance, certainly in public, is, you know, of the charisma of Bill Belichick, but without any wins. And so, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you run up a lot of wins, you can have whatever personality you want. But if you don't, then you, you know, be Rex Ryan, be an interesting and fun loser. 
Yes, exactly. He also kind of reminds me. I just I just thought of that as I just you know, his monotone approach to everything, but he also reminds me of kind of. Uh, a guy who maybe was a marginal starter for a while, and then as he gets older, he's probably competent enough to be a backup, but he's really not starter-level caliber, but you put him in there anyway, but he's not that uh, skilled, and he's only got a, a few different tools, a few different throws that he can make. I'm not comparing him to Andy Dalton at all as I say this, <laughs> but uh, it's just a guy who, you know, some people just aren't meant to be the head coach and he's just not meant uh, to be in that position, I don't think. But I mean, the problem starts at the top. Biden's been a disaster on this. Everybody at the Pentagon seems to have been a disaster too. So it's not blinking alone. Uh, you know, Millie, uh, CENTCOM doesn't seem to have done real well here at all either. So it's a lot of different analogies I'm throwing out at the same time. But uh, Tony Blinken seems to be in over his head. I think I got a lot off my chest with uh, with all that uh, at once. Anyway, uh, let's move on to our, our next bit of good news, and that is with my pillow. We talk a lot about the pillows. We talk about the sheets. Uh, we talk about the towels. Quality, quality products all the way around. But now we want to talk about the my slippers. We've talked about these before. Took two years to develop at my pillow to ensure they're the highest in quality and comfort. And right now, because they're having this massive sale over at my pillow, you can get 50% off your my slippers with the promo code Martini. So right now, never been a better time to get my slippers. My slippers are durable and you can wear them all day, indoors, outdoors, wherever you like. They're made with beautiful leather suede and have cozy faux fur linings and a sole that once again can handle indoor surfaces, outdoor surfaces, wherever you need to go. They come in moccasin or slip-on style. They're available in a variety of colors and they come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. And Greg, I'm going to tell our listeners about those layers because that first layer is the MyPillow patented fill. It's the patented foam you know and love and they've created a solid layer to provide incredible comfort. The second layer is a layer of comfort memory foam that provides that micro comfort and support to wear all day. Finally, the third layer of this layer cake within your slipper is a patented impact gel, which is made from U.S. soybeans, revolutionary in absorbing impact and relieving pressure. That's a layer cake. In case you got distracted there, Jim did not promise cake with the My Slippers. But for a limited time, you can get 50% off your new set of My Slippers. So go to mypillow.com and click on the radio listener square. Enter the promo code Martini or call 800 874 0104. Now, while you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all My Pillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the My Pillow mattress topper, and the My Pillow towel sets. You can only save that 50% on the new My Slippers, though, with the promo code Martini. Remember that. Call 800-874-0104 or visit MyPillow.com today. All right, Jim, on to the crazy martini, and it certainly has a couple of twinges of bad here as well. It is California Recall Day, uh, officially uh, today, whether or not to recall Governor Gavin Newsom uh, for a long time. It looked like it was within the margin of error as to whether California voters would recall Newsom uh, if you actually pressed people. It was looking like it would fail, but the people who wanted to recall him were way more enthusiastic than the people who wanted to keep him. Well, with a lot of money uh, infused, the polling numbers are looking better and better for Newsom. I think uh, Trafalgar said it's going to be close to a 10-point win for Newsom, if you can call that a win. Uh, But while this is happening, 
We have uh, some statements from Larry Elder, the leading candidate in the replacement race, but that will be irrelevant if Newsom is retained, as well as uh, President Trump uh, suggesting that they've already got a response ready to what the results may be tonight. Uh, According to NBC News, uh, Larry Elder appealing on Monday to his supporters to use an online form to report fraud which claimed it had, quote, detected fraud in the results of the California recall election, quote, resulting in Governor Gavin Newsom being reinstated as governor. The idea being that uh, they had this ready to go and they released it too soon. It's like an Associated Press obit for somebody that didn't actually die yet, but they had it ready to roll. Uh, Then Donald Trump issuing a, a statement saying, does anybody really believe that the California recall election isn't rigged? Millions and millions of mail-in ballots will make this just another giant election scam. No different, but less blatant than the 2020 presidential election scam. And there are folks who are worried that because everybody got sent an absentee ballot, that that could somehow be manipulated. There was also a story out of the uh, San Fernando Valley yesterday that some people showed up to vote early and they were told that they had already voted. So they had to fill out provisional ballots and uh, that's still trying to be sorted out, I guess. So that's adding fuel to those who believe that uh, things are not on the up and up. But uh, Jim, it's California. It's a deep blue state. It was an uphill climb. And uh, to already be having the, this was rigged, explanation out there before we actually have results is not going to look good uh, for for Elder, if that's the case, and also for the party. Hell of a voter turnout operation, guys. Way to go. Way to, way to get people fired up. I, it's interesting. I, I, I wondered how much faith I should put into Larry Elder as, uh, you know, it seemed like he was picking up momentum. It was really a couple of weeks ago. This looked like there was a really good shot of Newsom going down. Now it Polling indicates it seems to be uh, spreading apart. It looks like they did galvanize Democrats. They did get Democrats motivated to participate in this. Um, look, if you're going to claim fraud, point to specifics, point to specific cases, point to, you know, don't just say, oh, they're mailing them. Well, okay, yeah, they, they, you know what the rules and the laws were before you entered this process. <clears throat> if you have problems with them, do them at the beginning of the process. Don't do it once you're falling behind in the polls. Don't pull this up the day before. Oh, I don't think this is going to be a fair election. Well, gee, because it looks like sour grapes. I'm, I'm very skeptical of these complaints, but you know what? I'm willing to keep an open mind. If you can point to people who are casting fraudulent votes, fine, then let's do it. Let's keep in mind, though, that this is California and you've got you know, tens of millions of people voting. So the idea, if you can find you know uh, 20 ballots here or you know 15 ballots there, it's not probably going to make a big difference in this. Um, do I you know, do I think that Democrats are, are capable of, of, of trying to run uh, voter fraud operations? Sure. Sure. The Heritage Foundation has all those examples. Usually they're pretty small. They're, they're you know, talking about a handful of ballots here and there. I don't believe that, you know, if, if as we expect tonight, uh, Newsom is retained and he's retained by a very wide margin, I don't believe it's a fraudulent margin. I, I think this is whining, this is complaining, this is people who are very happy to play the victim instead of actually going out and trying to compete to win. And they don't want to have to face the consequences of saying, I did my hardest and I lost. I had it within my grasp for a while. And then I did some things that didn't, uh, that, you know, didn't play well in a pretty blue state and I lost. And of course, Donald Trump just wants, you know, he wants people to believe that this election was rigged and was fraudulent so that he could continue to argue that the 2020 election was, was fraudulent. It's very increasingly clear, by the way, I think if, if Donald Trump runs 2024, which I think is a safer bet than, than him not running, um, he, his central theme will be that the 2020 election will be was rigged and was fraudulent and that he needs to be reelected in order to uh, give him the term that he was owed, that he deserves 
for winning the 2020 election. Now, by 2024, we're going to be facing a whole bunch of problems as a country. I don't know if jihadism will be back. Certainly, Afghanistan's in worse shape. We're dealing with inflation. We're dealing with a crisis at the southern border. DO spending, deficit, the debt. You know, people aren't necessarily, oh, oh, remember the pandemic that Biden was going to shut down, right? That's still going on. Hopefully by 2024, it's long since in our rearview mirror. God only knows if by 2024, we'll have any clear answers on how it originated. <laughs> Wuhan labs, you know, we're going to have a whole bunch of problems. And I suspect the Republican nominee will want the front issue number one to be, I was the real winner in 2020. It is time for Republicans to move past this. And if you've got specific examples of voter fraud, prosecute that. Call attention to that. But don't just preemptively say, oh, it looks like I'm going to lose. Oh, okay, probably the whole thing was rigged. It is whining. It is sour grapes. It is beneath a serious political party. And I think it is, you know, what was probably always going to be a long shot bid in California. Now is going to really leave a really sour taste in our mouth because you're seeing this, this, you know, conscious or subconscious effort to depress Republican turnout the day before the election. It's absolutely asinine, Greg. Yeah, I mean, the lesson should have been learned from the Georgia runoffs. Uh, that uh, That's clearly one of the reasons why Democrats won both of those seats, regardless of what you think of 2020. The fact that that discussion dominated uh, the entire campaign and it never got to be, hey, it might be a really good idea to have the Republicans controlling the Senate with Joe Biden uh, in the White House and the Democrats controlling the House. But uh, that never got much oxygen. And so if you want to have your supporters, you know, report stuff they see as fishy, yep, go ahead. I mean, collect all that information. But uh, to do all this uh, on Election Day, just as people are heading out there, uh, giving them reason to just not to trust the process is not going to help you much. But uh, anyway, we'll see what happens tonight. Uh, would love to see an upset, but uh, not counting on it. Jim, have a good one. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already. Also tell your friends about us as well. Uh, we are very grateful for your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. You can get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Tuesday. Please join us on Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. There's so much going on in the news, but don't worry because we're here to talk about it all. Kids are finally going back to in-person schooling. Hurricane Ida leaves widespread damage in Louisiana right after the anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, and people are still struggling to get out of Afghanistan with our government nowhere in sight. Hey, it's the Chicks from the Chicks on the Right podcast. Download and subscribe to our daily podcast to hear us pick apart and pick on the news of the day. Politics to pop culture, nobody's safe, but it's all fun. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.